0: To the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, I want to just take a moment and say. Uh, Thank you to our worship and tech team. The the flu has hit our team really hard and so we had to do some scrambling this morning. I called Ricardo and like woke him up out of a dead sleep like, hey dude, I need you to come play. So, um, and Shandon was feeling nervous about leading the set for the first time by herself. And so I just want to say thank you to this team. And (laughs) yeah. And you know what? I want to say thank you to you for braving the Bicycle Classic to be at church today. <laughs> Man, that is like a feat, right? To like get, a, get around Redlands during the Classic is crazy. Um, all right, apparently. Um, so we are, I'm just stalling for a moment. I'm sorry. There we go. All right, so we're, we are continuing on in, uh, in our current sermon series, From Glory to Glory. And, and uh, you know, I was thinking this week uh, about how pivotal motivations are. Our motivation behind doing something is so incredibly pivotal. Uh, when you think about why we do what we do, what is the motivating factor behind the things that we do? Um, I know for me, most of the time, the motivating factor of me getting out of bed is that the coffee is not gonna make itself, <laughs> right? I know some people have fancy coffee makers that do it themselves, but I don't. And, and uh, I'm just like in bed like, okay. Do I want to sleep, or no, okay, the coffee's not going to make itself, so that 's what gets me up. I know what I know the motivating factor behind what gets my boys to do their chores is the fact that they 're not going to get to do anything else until they get them done the The things that they want to the things that they want to do they can 't do until the chores are done, right um, you know another motivating factor for various many reasons is is money you know money is a a a motivating factor you know we all want to make sure that our bills are paid and you know if there's a if there's a chance that we will get a raise at work we will go back to school we will do all kinds of stuff to get more money right and and uh there are so many different types of motivations but most of all motivations fall under the two categories of pleasure and pain, and uh, in our human nature, it's our tendency to always move towards pleasure and away from pain. Right? It's just our it's just our human nature, and so some common examples of of uh, of motivation uh, that is uh, that a life. Uh, is driven by pleasure. Is is uh, survival needs: food, shelter, clothing, accomplishments, fun. You know, like uh, going to parties and the beach and stuff like that. Um, uh, taste, curiosity, laughter. Um, you know, money in the sense that it it will bring some sort of illusion of freedom. You know, that's a pleasure. Um, social status, individuality. Adventure, like feel, the feeling of excitement, right? That's, those are all, uh, you know, pleasures, uh, pleasure motivators. But there's also the pain motivator. And, and uh, I think even further into, um, into the pain motivator is, is particularly, there's a category of the pain motivator that we jump to a lot, and that's fear. Right Fear, and so fear of loss is a huge motivator. Um, you know, fear of rejection, you know that's a, that's that's crazy. Fear of the unknown. I think that's like I think that's one of my my heart the the most difficult ones to get over for me is, is I like to gather all the information you know <laughs> and then make my decision but if I feel like I'm I don't know the information uh, I'm hesitant to make the decision um, fear of uncertainty fear of failure uh, fear of change I mean there are all different types of of motivators, and a lot of them, you know, fall under these two categories of pleasure and pain. Like for instance, pleasure, um, I'm getting ready to take my two boys on a four-day camping trip to the beach on Tuesday, right? And so what in the world would motivate me? You would think that would fall under the fear category, right? Like what in the world would motivate me to do that? You know, like what in the world? But I know that we're going to, um, back to those pleasure motivators, I know that we are going to have uh, fun. Like we're going to, we're going to play and build castles and, and skimboard and stuff. I know we're going to eat some, some like good campfire food, you know, like I know that we're going to laugh and, and it's going to be a good time and we're going to make memories that we cherish forever as a family. Right. That's a pleasure motivator. Right. But, um, but there's also the fear motivator too. Like, um, a bunch of us went to see Captain Marvel the other night and, uh, and the movie and it was really cool. Um, but it, I was reminded of of this this thing that happened um, one of the other times, several friends and I went to go to the movies and it was at um, the Avengers Age of Ultron, right? And, and it was like opening night at Harkin Theater in Redlands and just packed like crazy. And at the end of the first showing, this guy stands up in the middle of the credits and starts, like, talking really loud. And I wasn't in there. We were outside. But, but because he stood up, and, and I guess he was saying some, some pretty forceful things, like, um, but he stood up, and then everybody, like, scattered and out of fear, somebody said, I think he's got a gun. And so, like, people started scattering out of the theater. Somebody got run over, like, and and hurt, like, injured, right? And it turns out this guy, he was standing up trying to proclaim the gospel. But, right isn't that crazy like and so fear motivated these people now i'm not i'm not i don't agree with that guys tactics so i just want to throw that out there but, but but um but uh right but uh i i do think that fear was the motivating factor i mean we've seen shooting after shooting after shooting in america you just never know when you're when the next day is going to be your last right you just don't know like like there was a a person here in redlands just i think this week that was training for the bicycle classic he was from nevada and he got hit by a car he was dead crazy crazy fear is a huge motivator and uh pleasure pain I, I, as Christians, I think we need to really pay attention to the things that are our motivating factors in our life, particularly when it comes to church. And so no matter what motivated you to come to church today, I am so glad you're here. Thank you for, thank you for coming. Uh, but I hope, my hope is that it's because you want to grow in relationship with God and that you want to grow in family, in church family. Like, that's my hope that was, that is, I hope that that was your motivating factor in coming today, is growing closer to God, growing in relationship with God, growing in relationship with other believers. But I want you to just take a second right now and, and think about what was your motivating factor to coming to church today? Is it something that you just always do? Is it something that you do on Sundays? Or or was there a reason behind coming to church today to worship and pray and hear the scriptures? All through the book of John, Jesus has made these I am statements, right? There's, there's seven of them, and and, uh, and the first one is I am the bread of life, John 6:35. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never grow hungry and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. He also said, "I am the light of the world," John 8:12, when Jesus spoke again to the people. He said, "I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life." He said, "I am the gate in John 10, 9, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. He says, I am the good shepherd. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, Right? he said i am the resurrection and the life john 11:25 through 26 i am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me will live even though he die and whoever lives believes in me will never die last week we talked about jesus being the the way the truth and the life in john 14:6 I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father. And today we encounter the seventh and final I am statement uh, from Jesus in the the book of John. Jesus refers to himself as the vine. and So I want you to go ahead and turn there, John 15, uh, verse 1. says this. We're going to read it all the way through verse 11, and then we're going to break it down a bit. All right, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. so let's uh, let's. That's a that's a lot to take in. There's a lot in there, and we're not going to pull everything that's in there out. But um, <clears throat> in verses one and two, Jesus makes the final "I am" statement. I am the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Um, uh vine dresser is just like a fancy word for gardener, you know, like he, like the the person who trims and takes care of the vine, and Jesus claims to not only be the vine but in the scripture, if you notice, he claims to be the true vine. So does that mean that we can be a branch on a different vine? Sure. Okay, the two different types of branches in Jesus, there, there are two different types, there's, and how do we know them apart, anybody know, how do we know the two different types of branches, fruit. the fruit, right, the, the two different vines are, the two different branches rather are, um, are known by their fruit, and God is the vine dresser. He cuts and, and, and prunes. Um, but the thing I notice about these two different branches is that either way, they get cut. Right? There's pain involved in both ways. Right? And if you are a, a dried up and withered vine, you get lopped off the vine. And if you are a fruit-producing vine, you get pruned so that you will develop more fruit, right? Either way, pain is, is, is unavoidable. And, uh, but each branch is known by its fruit. And before we go any further, I think it's important to bring some clarity to what Jesus is saying and, uh, and define what fruit looks like. Because I think there's a lot of things that you could jump to conclusions to. Um, you know, if, you're, if you're looking at this and you've, you've been a Christian for a long time and you're like, so if that person that I've been praying for all this time hasn't already come to Jesus, uh, does that mean you know, I'm not a fruit-producing branch? And I think it's really important to define what fruit looks like, you know, in this scripture. And so, um, and the answer is no. <laughs> You're, you, you, the, the fruit that gets produced by the Holy Spirit, we find in Galatians five twenty two through 23. And this is, this is the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such things, there are no law. This is the evidence of a fruit producing branch. This is the evidence of, of a branch that is square and firmly attached to the true vine. This is the fruit. These are the fruits uh, of the living and active Holy Spirit at work in you, right? If you are a true disciple of Jesus, these fruits will be evident in your life. It is, is it possible to be a branch on this vine and not produce this kind of fruit? I think the scripture makes it pretty clear that it is, right? You can, well, I'll get to that later. (laughs) But another, uh, so reading verse 4 through 8 And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This by my Father, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciple. So again, let's find that word abide because it's used several times there. And I feel like sometimes in, in church services we can use these, these words and not really know what they mean. We can just use them because we've always used them. And, and, uh, and so abide actually means to stay or remain. To stay or remain. and The branches can do nothing when it's separated from the vine. Like, I actually had um, this idea that I was going to do today. Um, I was going to, like, buy, a, like, a mini tree. And I, I was going to say, like, hey, you know, I, I, um, I love avocados. They're so good. Like, does anybody else love avocados and want, want some avocados? And, like, lop a branch off and be like, here. Here's here's a here's some avocados. Just hang on to this, and you'll get some avocados in, you know, six to eight months. And just like, no, that doesn't make sense. And also, avocado trees are really expensive. I looked into it, so. <laughs> so, um, but. The branch can do nothing if it's separated from the vine. You, you would have looked at me like I was crazy if I handed you that branch, thinking that you're going to get fruit from this branch. No, this branch is separated from the thing that gives it life. This branch is separated from its, its life support, right? It's separated, and so it can't bear fruit, and that's what that's what it's like for us when we claim to be a Christian, but we don't truly walk with jesus i mean i i I think about it a lot. you know what does it look like to walk with jesus on a on a daily basis? and I feel like I'm still learning what it looks like every day. you know I have not by any means got it figured out but I'm learning and growing in it every day, what it looks like to walk with Jesus and be in a daily relationship with him and not let church just be something I do on Sundays. Because I feel like we can call ourselves a Christian and not know Jesus at all. We can know of Jesus, like we talked about last week, but we may not, we may not have an encounter with him and I believe that once you encounter Jesus, your life will never be the same. Your life will be transformed. And this is, this is the fruit-producing relationship, walking with Jesus every day, abiding, staying in Jesus every day, and allowing his word to stay in you. That's abiding, right? Right? That's remaining. But when the, when the branch is separated from the vine, there's no fruit produced in that relationship. Verse 6 speaks of what happens to the vine, uh, the vines that are not fruit producing. And, and as a, I just want to remind you of what we're talking about when we say fruit We're talking about the evidence of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the evidence of the Holy Spirit. And verse 6 speaks of the branches that are not fruit-abiding, being cut off and thrown in the fire. And this is obviously a picture of eternal judgment. I think churches, um, I'm thankful that this isn't the case with the mission, but I know a lot of churches with people who call themselves Christians, but they don't really know or walk with Jesus. And I think that this picture of eternal judgment Uh, It speaks very loudly, and I I don't think fear is a good motivator. I think people like that guy in the movie theater have kind of stolen our ability to be able to speak about eternal judgment in an effective way with evangelism, but there's just no getting around it. Like, it's a part of it, right? And um, verse 7, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, this speaks of aligning ourselves with God. This speaks uh, of aligning ourselves with God through Jesus. Abiding is a picture of, of staying and remaining, and, and Jesus says that if, my, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, this is, this is an alignment. I've had to have a lot of car work done recently, but I know what happens when your car gets out of alignment, right? You drive down the road and it's swerving or it's, you know, bumping or whatever. And, and like this, this process of abiding in Jesus and his words abiding in you, this is alignment. This aligns you with the Father through Jesus. It sets your heart on the things that his heart is set on. It breaks your heart for the things that breaks his heart. There is a holy alignment that happens when we abide in Jesus. And that's why they can say boldly, you know, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you want. And I'll do it for you because it's on my heart. It aligns with what I want to do. It aligns with the, the thing that is breaking my heart, actually. You know, there is a holy alignment in the process of abiding. And, and God receives glory through this fruit that we produce when we are aligned with God. And it shows to everyone around you this, this, this fruit in your life is evident. It's evident. And I'm not saying that there's not grace. Because we all mess up. Like, I messed up probably seven times already today. (laughs) I had to go, Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm going to do better. You know, (laughs) like, like there's grace, of course. You know, we are, we're, 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 but we have to, we have to want that, that, that relationship. We have to desire to abide in Jesus. and uh, So why do our motivations matter when it comes to all this? Why do they matter? In verse nine, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So why does Jesus want us to know these things, like one through 10, verses one through 10? Why is Jesus saying these things to us? It's because not only does he want us to abide in him and his word to abide in our hearts, it's because he wants our joy to be complete, He wants us to participate in a mature, full joy, right? Mm -hmm. That only comes from abiding, staying, remaining in alignment with God through Jesus. And our motivations matter when it comes to that. Verse 10 says, it says it how we abide verse 10 says um, if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love so keeping keeping commandments isn't a super um, sexy thing right keeping commandments that's 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 not like something you would go around trying to entice people with <laughs> you know right, right? commandment keeping. But it says right there in verse 10, commandment keeping is how we abide in his love. And Now, that, that doesn't mean there's grace. I, I just want to reiterate that. Uh, but just like pre- pleasure and pre- pain are huge motivations, so are uh, inner conviction and fear of condemnation. Fear of condemnation and inner conviction. These are... These are some of the motivating factors behind commandment keeping, right, when you think about it, if we, if we keep, the commands if we abide out of inner conviction, and I mean conviction not in the sense that we're guilty like in a courtroom, but in, in, in a sense of conviction like like we deeply believe something. It's a conviction we hold, like we are willing to lay down our life for this conviction. You know, like like, if we are commandment-keeping out of an inner conviction, it's because we truly desire to know God and experience Jesus' mercy and live a life that produces kingdom fruit. right? If we abide in Christ out of fear of condemnation, it just becomes duty and drudgery, right? It becomes something that we have to do rather than something we get to do or something we want to do, right? It becomes something we have to do because we're afraid of condemnation. We're afraid of of being caught guilty. Condemnation keeping isn't duty when you're doing it out of a Christ-centered motivation. Example, Ricardo had this really good example when we were talking about this yesterday. He said, an inner conviction is like, I let someone down, and I feel bad about that. That's an inner conviction. A condemnation is, I got caught. That's condemnation. I got busted, right? Right? That's condemnation. If your heart is truly given over to the vine in joy, there is no telling what fruit your life could produce for the kingdom of God. I'm going to say that again because that should be encouraging. I see a lot of blinking eyes like I'm about to go to sleep. Um, I'm going to say it again, and I want you to really listen this time. Okay? Okay? If your heart is truly given over to the vine in joy, abiding in the vine, commandment keeping, producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, there is no telling what fruit your life can produce for the kingdom of God. Amen. Thank you. I thought that was a worthy of an amen. I don't know. Not that I live and die by the amen, but. And and there's a perfect example of that today. There's a perfect example of it today. Uh, Today's St. Patrick's Day. And um, I'm just going to go into this briefly, but this is a perfect example of someone who operated out of conviction and not condemnation. Perfect example. Did you actually, you know, lots of people think St. Patrick's Day is just about drinking green beer and like wearing (laughs) green things and, you know, yeah, yeah, like, um, you know, having a lucky um, clover, right, right? Um, It's just an excuse to party for a lot of people, but, but here's the thing is that, did you know that? St. Patrick is not actually from Ireland. Did you know that? He's not actually from Ireland. Right, he's from Britain. Right? His father was a deacon and his grandfather was a priest. And, but he was actually an atheist. He didn't believe in anything. And um, around the age of 16, he was thrown on a slave ship. He was captured and put on a slave ship to then and was taken to then a pagan Ireland. I mean it was full full-on pagan, right? Uh, and he spent serving his master six years as a shepherd in Ireland, right? And he said that time was pivotal in his relationship with God he said that he used to pray a hundred times a day and almost as many at night, right? And, and, and through that experience of prayer and trial, he came to know Christ. He came to know the, the, the real Christ. During a time of prayer and fasting, he heard a voice and uh he was praying, and, and he heard this voice and it said, "It is good that you fast. Soon you will go to your own country." And later on, as he was continuing to pray, he heard, he heard the same voice again. He said, it said, "See, your ship is ready." And so St. Patrick escaped. His, his, uh, his slavery and traveled 200 miles to the nearest port and, boor, and like begged to board a ship and they wouldn't let him on the ship. And so he said like a frantic prayer, desperate prayer, and then all of a sudden they allowed him on the ship, right? <laughs> so he goes back home to Britain. He returns to his family and he begins to, to study for ministry, his experience with God's grace and provision was so great that it solidified his faith deep within his heart. And, and uh, one night he had a dream, and a man came to him from Ireland carrying a bunch of letters in the dream. And the man handed Patrick a letter, and he opened it, and the letter heading read, The Voice of the Irish. Then he heard a voice coming out of the letter saying, this is kind of funny, it says, Holy boy, please return to us, we need you. Please return to us, we need you. He struggled with this dream. Uh, so, So once again, he returned to prayer and God gave him another dream. And in this dream, he's trying to pray. He's trying really hard to pray, but he can't. He can't pray. But in this dream, here's the weird thing. He still hears a voice coming out of him, out of the inside of him. And he realized it was the voice of Christ praying for him. And he knew he had to go back to Ireland. And so he came back and... and The Irish at this time, like I said, they were completely pagan. They used to worship multiple gods of the sky, water, and earth. And his first challenge was convincing them that there was only one God, and this God really did truly love them, right? And the story of of that challenge is so cool and I only can just skim over it briefly so you should really go and read it. (laughs) But on the very first Easter morning he was back in Ireland. He came face to face with the tribal chieftains and their Druid priests. And there was a pagan festival that was going on uh, and on that night by the orders of the king no fire shall be lit on any land or in any home and death was the penalty for anyone who kindled even a flame before the first fire lit by the druid priests so there was absolutely no fires allowed in an act of holy defiance and as a symbol of the same god who showed himself to moses in the burning bush patrick lit what is now known as the Easter fire in plain sight of the king's castle. The king saw the sacred fire and asked who it was that had violated his law. Then the Druids told him that if this fire were not put out before morning, I, I love this, so really listen to this. The, the Druids told him That if this fire were not put out by morning, it would never be extinguished. And that the man who had lighted it would be exalted above kings and princes. Even though the king tried several times to have Patrick killed, God was still victorious and the king and his people eventually bowed before God. And many thousands of people came to know the one true God that so desperately loved them. His ministry was over 29 years, and he baptized over 120,000 Irish people. And he began 300 churches. He came back to help the people enslaved him. I don't care how, how much fear you have inside of you. If you don't hold an internal conviction, you're not going back to the place where you were enslaved to save your captors. If you don't hold an internal conviction, if you are not abiding in the one true vine, that's just not something you're going to do. He came back and brought Christ to the people who had enslaved him, and they came to know Jesus. And that's why he's known as the patron saint of Ireland. And as, as the worship team comes, I just want to read just a portion to you of St. Patrick's prayer. Just a portion of it. This is, his, this is a portion of his prayer. Christ be with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ where I lie, Christ where I sit, Christ where I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of every man who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Christ. May your salvation, O Lord, be ever with us. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and... Lord, I pray that you would make this concept of the vine and branch and the fruit that it produces, Lord. That the fruit that the Holy Spirit is capable of within us, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would begin to make this so real. That you would awaken us from our Sunday morning sleep our Sunday morning pattern, Lord. Father, I pray that you would awaken us from a Sunday morning relationship with you and that we would experience you in our everyday life and what it's like to choose to abide in you. Lord, I pray that our motivations, the very foundation of why we do what we do, Lord, would not be out of fear but it would be out of love and relationship. God, that we would desire to know you more. Not that it would be a duty, Lord. Not that it would be drudgery, Father. Not that it would be something we check off a checklist, but something that we desire to do, Lord. And that we see the fruit Father, I pray God that you would ignite a fire in us, Lord, a fire that that desires to know you more, a desire that wants to be in friendship with you, Lord, and that we wouldn't just know of Jesus Christ. But that we would know Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you reveal the things in our lives that are holding us back from abiding in you. I pray that you Bring them bubbling to the surface so that they're inescapable, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear you, Lord. Christ, be all around us. For it's by you the way that we can know the truth and live the life. In Jesus' name I pray. As we call forth the ushers, I just want to pray over our tithes and offering now. Father, there's a song that says Life is a gift and the giver is good. And so we just remind ourselves of that, Lord, that it's just a gift from You that we are even breathing right now, Lord, that life is so fragile. Father, we remind ourselves that what What we have, Lord, however much or however little, Lord, it's it's all a gift from you, oh God. So we give it back to you now. We pray you take it and send it out to the neighbors and the nations and build your kingdom. Jesus' name I pray, amen.